0: good morning welcome to right thinking with steve copeland i'm your host steve copeland and thank you for tuning in let's have a great day good morning glad to be with you i hope everyone had a wonderful week well this past weekend i had an incredibly great weekend i attended the granby high school class of 1969's 50th high school reunion and it was absolutely wonderful being with all my old classmates and, and and their spouses and everyone else who came and I just want to thank everyone it was great to see you and thank you for all the love and encouragement that you gave me and just God bless each and every one of you and stay healthy and I look forward to our next reunion well today's show is episode 140 right thinking with Steve Copeland is very pleased to announce that this week's show is called correcting corrections why I am in prison part two with guest Lefford Fate. Tune in and hear Lefford and Steve continue their conversation on mental illness and the importance of working together as a society to help those suffering from this terrible illness. Get involved. One person can make a difference. One of the highlights of the show that you're going to be hearing today is when Lefford talks about how he goes into high schools and teaches PMA, Positive Mental Attitude. Well, let's just get right into the interview that I did. Well, after so many people gave me so many comments about Leffert's show with me on correcting corrections, Leffert and I decided to try to just talk about it a little bit more because it's so important. So I just want to jump right in. This is a continuation of the last show. Uh, Leffert, let's assume that that people are listening and and what they did was, They took somebody that had a mental illness and they kept them from going into prison. They got them through the mental health courts. They got them into treatment programs in the community. Everything that you're advocating and saying that's out there is taking place. The part where I want to jump back in with it for a minute is this. We know that everybody that thinks they know a lot about the subject will say, well, as long as they stay on their medications. And that's that's a very true point. That's one of the basics that has to stay in place. And and as you said in the last show, what happens to a lot of people is they'll get very stable for a long period of time, and then they feel like, I don't need my medications anymore. And then they don't even realize that when they start to slip, something triggers them and it starts all over again. So that's a hard thing for people to be able to know they still need to be on their medication. But what I want to interject is this where the intersection of Right Thinking Foundation, my financial literacy program, its basic premise with what you're doing is this. If we can relieve financial stress in our life, we can deal with things that that don't need to be a major failure. It could just be a temporary setback. And everybody, when I do all of these questions in prisons, it's kind of almost like a humorous thing sometimes. List the five things that cause the most stress in your life. I'll give you the humor. The guys out in Oregon, you go, police officers ex-wives stop signs you know that that's great but no everybody has has relationships but money money issues is in everybody's top five and i like to say that if it's not you've got some kind of a silver spoon that you've been feeding off of and one day I, if it's ever removed you know you know be careful but my point is money affects everybody so for me I love being able to network and and be involved with programs and people like you and Don Green and everybody else. But what I try to focus on is the thing that I know a lot about, and that's just trying to get people to understand that if you be more careful about how you handle your money, you can help yourself a great deal to eliminate some stress so you can pay more attention to other things. And so... The mentally ill people that we're stabilizing that are going to be following through with all the things that you're helping put in place, they're going to need financial assistance. They're going to need to be able to handle their own budget. I know so many people that are that are like mentally ill that are kind of like borderline. You know, They kind of get along okay most of the time, but then you find out that they're recluse for a while and, and they're making some really bad decisions or something went wrong. But be, being stable has a whole lot to do with Reaching self sufficiency and independence and being able to live on your own. Because, you know, one of the saddest situations that we all see is mentally ill people that live with their parents and their parents age out. Their parents move on to greener pastures when they die. What, what happens to this mentally ill person that couldn't be out on their own? So I believe, and this is a question I want to throw at you there's different types of mental illness. There's medications that are very hard to figure out, work for the right situation. But if we can stabilize people and bring them into community and, and uh, a healthier lifestyle, whatever that means, what does that mean, Leffert? What's the next step? Let's say that we succeed a lot in keeping people out of prisons, get them into community health you know, counseling
1: and all the other things. What's next, Leffert? Where it's going to go after that? You know, what, you, know, you know what's really funny to me is that I thought what, what's next was to get people to identify people that need mental health, treat them, and then when they're returning, treat them. But, but God got a serious sense of humor. You entered, I, Jeff introduced me to you. You introduced me to Don Green. I went to the Napoleon Hill Foundation. I knew about Napoleon Hill but I've got an intimate relation with Napoleon Hill and the foundation now. And I honestly think the next step is this whole PMA, positive mental attitude, the 17 step towards a positive mental attitude. And the reason I say that, and this isn't a commercial for the foundation, but one of the things that the foundation is making it better for people, making this world a better place for people. And I think that no matter who you are, what's the, What's the situation. I think there will be some people with a mental illness so severe that they will always need to live with someone and always need somebody to take care of it. But those people are going to have to understand the financial side of it because somebody's always got to understand the money bit. So definite major purpose, having definiteness of purpose, having a plan, having a mastermind alliance, surrounding themselves with somebody that can have their best interests at hand, working towards a definite major goal. I think that in order for us to be right, we got to get our mind right. And the mind right and everything. I don't think it's should like the mastermind lines. I'm not a financial guy, that's your thing. I'm a motivational kind of guy saying I got this thing there. We got to get people in the circle that can look at all facets of an issue and say, how can we fix this as a problem? It can't be ones and twos and threes, Steve. I think it takes us as a society to come together and say, we need to work together in perfect harmony to combat this issue with mental illness so that we can take care of people that can't take care of themselves now. Let's have a conversation about a child that's born with, down syndrome, a severe side of it. We don't have this conversation. We don't say, well, what happens when mom and dad died? What happened?" We still got to take care of that person because that person can't properly take care of themselves. So we have to figure that out. And it's not just a, a one bullet. It's not a silver bullet. It's a clip with a lot of bullets that attack this and this and this and get in front of them. That's kind of how it sits. So I think one of the reasons that I think I was led to the Napoleon Hill Foundation is for me to, to get myself around some like-minded people and figure out a way or be on the team to figure out a way that we can do these things. There's no mistake that Don Green believes in going into prisons and, and take care of stuff and that you introduced me to him and he knows you and what you're trying to do. That's, that's no excuse. I am not an excuse. There's no, that's not a coincidence. This is a reason that we're placed in this space right now to do this type work. I think
0: I couldn't agree more. And you know, you said this is not a commercial for Napoleon Hill, but I'll tell you what, I'm 68 years old. I got my first copy of think and grow rich when I was in my early twenties. I've been, I've been like 40 over 45 years with think and grow rich. And there's absolutely nothing that can be said negative about, People that want to get together to help one another and keep a positive attitude and put practical things in place to help you move forward. And and you know, and I, I have a lot of issues with people that they they talk the talk, but do they walk the walk, so to speak? But but you know, you mentioned one of the best words there. It's it's having a plan. You know, it's that burning desire and having a plan and moving forward. And and the 17 principles of the, of the Pauline Hill, the PMA, there's different versions of how it's presented, but it is so complete. And, and so I'm glad that you went that direction on this because it's all about the youth, period. That's one thing I've learned in my years in prisons. It, about the second year in, when I'm, when I'm just really trying to find what answers are, I learned that the very best place for us to be able to, to, to reduce recidivism is the main word that I'm out there fighting, keeping people out of prison, having a successful life when they get out, is to get to the youth before they ever go in in the first place. Bingo. Yeah. And, and so, Leffert, you, um, you were in, you've you got a new program that you're teaching PMA, Positive Mental Attitude. And, and let me say this. I think everybody that's an adult has come across the initials DMA, uh, if they're in any kind of a work environment where they teach you know how to be positive and do this and that but positive mental attitude Napoleon Hill is given credit for developing that and formalizing the concept is that that's correct isn't it I mean yeah, yeah he and
1: W Clement stone yes yeah.
0: yeah right well he was kind of like us we took some of the stuff that we get from other people and we try to just move on with it and use it. And we don't need the credit for it. We just want to make sure people learn it. But yeah, W. Clement Stone, and there are some others that go even further back. I've read some of the earlier verses, too. But you are doing a program in Sumter, South Carolina, that is incredible. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. So you're going into a junior high school, a middle school? High school, high school. Well, I'm going into adventure schools, but I just was asked, man, uh, I'm so excited about it. You probably should have brought this up. I'm hugely excited about this because Sumter High School with almost 1,200 students, uh, I, was, I was talking about doing this PMA program, this positive mental attitude and why I thought it was important. And I was talking to the city manager of Sumter and talking to the, the president of the Chamber of Commerce saying that we're gonna do this, we start working this stuff out. I was teaching a course yesterday Friday on, and I was teaching Mastermind Alliance and Definiteness of Purpose, and we had a we had a career counselor that heard my talk, and I was telling her, I said, I just got authorized. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna train a thousand high school students. Um, well, Well, basically, I said a thousand students between 15 and 18 on these 17 principles, and I'm excited. I don't have a kid yet, but I'm working it out and all this. And she said, "I want you to come to my high school and teach all of our high schoolers. They need this because she saw she saw the and I sent a video out earlier that talks about definiteness of purpose and mastermind. And she sat there and she said, "Our kids need this. And again, it's not from me; it's through me. And it is so awesome how God do." Because I was just saying it, and all of a sudden, boom, 1,200 kids. So, to me, that's 2,200, because I asked for 1,000, and I got 2,200. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, I've heard. I'm sorry, because I, I was hyped. I'm sorry.
0: No, I'm going to stay on it, because that's where the answer is. The answer is in the kids. I mean, we everybody knows that, but not not everybody's figuring it out. But here's part of the. Here's part of the universe that we're dealing with here, the world. What we know is rights not getting done sometimes. I, uh, I, don't, I don't get into politics too much. I kind of refrain from that because all I want to do is have a chance to be one-on-one with somebody. Uh, and, and just, you know, if they're hurting. And, and the last show that we did on it, when we talked about the, uh, the training that needs to be done for the uh, crisis intervention teams with law enforcement, de-escalation is the word. You know, a lot of times there's a situation that escalates. And and I've talked about this on the show numerous times, you know, my karate background, where I asked this question. So if there's a person that's really, really a bully and causing trouble and and sort of threatening other people, um, we have to recognize that as irrational behavior. Now, irrational behavior, and mental illness kind of go hand in hand. I'll, I'll say that. And, um, and so my question is when I'm trying to, to like I'll meet other karate people, a lot of instructors and stuff and and I'll say so if if somebody's kind of out of control getting out of hand, what is the best way to bring them from an irrational place to a more rational place and, and I say because look it's not it's not normal behavior to to want to hurt someone, to be out in public and to be kind of bullying and threatening. That's that's just not normal behavior. And so it's our jobs to help bring that person back to a more rational frame of mind. And so the question is, so what do you think? Uh, this is like, I ask this to everybody. And, you know, what do you think is the very best way to bring a person back to to bring them back to a more rational place, and you wouldn't believe some of the answers I get from people that are supposed to be qualified.
1: It's modeling, people. huh? I think it's
0: modeling.
1: I couldn't hear it good. I'm sorry. Mo- modeling the behavior. You you get to their level. You don't. You try to bring them down. You don't tell anybody, calm down. Last time, I learned a lot. Calm down. That that. Yeah. I've been married for a while. That is not a good thing. Yeah. To Control say, yourself. Calm down.
0: No, no. Yeah. My, my answer that I teach is basically that uh, these people have some sort of, a, you know, where are they coming from? See, that's part of what we got to understand. Um, why are they in this frame of mind? It could be to where they were severely abused as a child and they're just angry all the time. And, you know, one of the rules of the jungle on the street is if you touch somebody, they think they have the right to take your face off. Get your hands off of me. You don't want to touch people when they're agitated on the street. But here's the thing, and I don't recommend this to everybody, but here's my process. The answer to my question is the very best way to bring them from an irrational place to a more rational place is through love, empathy, and understanding. Okay, Steve, that sounds real good. What are you talking about? They need to feel love because that's their whole issue probably is, is that they don't feel love. And they've just got this, this barrier that they've created and they don't want anybody inside their space. So what I do, I get into them, I get inside their space. And this is where I do, I don't recommend this. You know, I've got specialized training that allows me to do this, but I get in close to them and I put my little finger kind of like up on their body somewhere so they can have a butterfly touch. And they they need to be touched, they need to feel my blood flowing through my little finger onto their body. There's a warmth to that. And then I just sort of get right close to them. I mean, like five, six inches. Because when I'm that close to them, if they act out too badly, I'm in a pretty good position to stop them physically if I need to, because I'm totally on the inside there. You know whatever. I don't want to go too far into what that means. But my point is, when I'm inside like that, I've neutralized their physical stuff that they could do to me. And if they continue to get hostile, I can do a whole lot at that moment. But here's what I'm saying. The conversation kind of goes like, hey, you need somebody to talk to you, man. I know you're having a bad day, but I'm here for you, man. You want to talk to me? And, and that's the beginning. And it always, Leffert, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank my Lord Jesus Christ for the protecting me. It's always ended beautifully to where they either cry while I'm hugging them, or, and we go off, and we, I make a friend, and we talk about what they've been through. That's what it really is that we're talking about when we describe the process of a crisis intervention. You have to make them comfortable, not feel threatened. You know, yeah. You know, the, the training is with the officers. There's always, you know, palm up, not fist, you know, don't make them feel like if you get out of hand, I'm going to grab you and cuff you. I mean, you may have to do that. Of course, you may have to do that. But the point is, you just want to talk them down. You know, you just want to Talk them down by having them get closer to you. And and then, now, does a person like that need to be punished sometimes? No. You know, most of the time, maybe not. If they haven't already done some great act of violence, they just need to be loved. So why did I go into all that, Leopard? Because you already know that. That's what you're doing with everything you're in the middle of here. You're just trying to communicate with people and have them have a better understanding of what it is to, to have a personal one-on-one relationship. Because I think that no matter what's going on in my life, that's the key to everything, is a personal one-on-one relationship. Your expression is, is through you, you know, to have the Holy Spirit come through you, to show the love of Jesus through you. It's not me, it's through me. What mine is, is to take the love that, that, that he, how he loves me and try to have that come out to other people they can also experience it and the very best thing that could possibly happen not everybody agrees with it. there's a whole lot of secular people that want to leave this out of the conversation but for me i want people to to sense something about me and want to know where i get it from and i want to help them experience the same thing that, that i that's the
1: ministry that's the ministry and that's the same thing it's i think it's the same thing we just say a different thing there's a book out there people want to go a little deeper this It's called by Jerry Jenkins, called Verbal Judo. You probably yeah, read or yeah, studied it yeah, just years like, ago. Yeah, it's a wonderful book. And uh, as a, it was funny. I was a cop in the military, and then I went to mental. I started working mental health. I'm working in an inpatient unit. Uh, we did this thing called nonviolent crisis intervention. It's basically how to take people down, or stabilize, or neutralize them so they can't hurt themselves or other people. Um, but most of that stuff that we learned was how to get inside someone. You, you're talking about inside their reach, but we're just trying to get inside to quiet the noise. Because one of the exercises we do with, with crisis intervention and, and um, the whole program is to, we, we put these earphones on where we're listening to, the, to what a per- person suffering with schizophrenia or hearing voices. Are getting so we can understand what they're dealing with and sometimes when people are acting out they're hurting they're scared they're stuck and they they don't need to be hurt or punished they need to be understood and it does take a a level of training to understand well it can be dangerous yeah it it can be be very dangerous for everybody because i i do a program called disc and i said you know a veterinarian and i'm not calling anybody animal I said, a veterinarian have to treat a tiger and a rabbit. The issue is he needs to know who he's dealing with. <laughs> that's, I like that. I yeah. like that a lot. So, and that's what we do. You have to know what you're dealing with. Sometimes you may have to bring a, a level of of restraint that's more than just talking. But the thing you want to do always is try not to lay hands or have hands laid on anyone. Oh, if yeah. there's a way to make that work.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... This uh, we're getting off on a tangent now, but remember the old movie Love Story. Love is never having to say you're sorry. One of my one of my karate teachings for 35 years is karate is never having to use it. When you've got the kind of skills that you've been trained, unless you've been trained for the wrong reason, that's another thing we got to be careful about. A lot of people have a lot of training, but it's for the wrong reason. Mine's just to be able to uh, to help other people not hurt themselves mostly and to protect people around me, you know, from, from random acts of violence, so to speak. But leopard,
1: Which tar- is funny enough, as a medical guy now, that's what, that wasn't how I was trained. Uh, my, my training was to disable rather than kill, but kill if necessary. Well, that, was got- my, that was my original training.
0: Well, that's the karate creed is to just go to each level as it goes. But, you know. Yeah.
1: And so now I'm, I'm coming back to, to never do harm. It is a funny, it's a, it's a funny thing how my life has evolved to where I am now. I don't want to hurt anybody anytime now. Crazy.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Lefford, in in a, the TED talk that you did, you shared a beautiful story about 17-year-old Michael who got arrested. Let's talk about Michael's story a little bit. And and did Tony Garcia? Did you know him personally?
1: Uh, I met him. I didn't know him. You want to share a little bit of that? Well, yeah, it was, like I said, uh, Michael was, he, he, this is one of the kids that was troubled kids throughout, always getting into trouble, and um, in the day, and I do a lot in schools now, so this is why it's really important to me to get those kids now. Sometimes kids have issues, or young people have issues, that has never been diagnosed. They were just a quiet kid or the bad kid, and it was just kind of put on the back burner. Until they get to a certain age, and then they start getting trouble. When I'm talking trouble, I'm talking about serious trouble. And so, you know, get kicked out of school and all that. And but this guy needed treatment, and he did, did need medication. Now, I think that there is a. I think sometimes we we stay on medication too much and too long. The people that need medication should get medication. But there are other types of therapies that. CBT, RT, there's certain kind of counseling that they get where they can reduce the use of medication. But be that as it may, Michael actually didn't get a chance. He was one of those bad kids that was kind of pushed to the side and ended up dropping out of school, getting in trouble, not getting treatment and ended up incarcerated. But once somebody actually did start loving and caring about him, getting his medication, he has a place to stay, and he's and he's being monitored, he's doing well. But he is the kind of person that's gonna need monitoring and help for the rest of his life. So there's a way to balance that to keep it good. But again, it's either, either we're two hands on or two hands off. And it's everybody, everybody should be treated treated equal, but everybody shouldn't be treated the same. You know, if he's the kind of person that needs continual care, give him continual care. If he's the kind of person that can go without continual care, then he doesn't get it. He's just got a coach or somebody like a Tony Garcia that can come there and, and listen and talk and get to know, see the signs and symptoms when he's going off track and be able to give him a slight course correction. So, so Tony that's Gar- what I think saved him.
0: So Tony Garcia was in charge of the intensive supervision program that, that yes, Michael yes. was in.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, where In did it prob- end? The, the probation officer.
0: Yeah, I, I was. I was going to share that. That there's a huge parallel here as to how good are the people that are administering the programs, because sometimes there's programs that have people that are running them that they just need warm bodies because they don't have enough people that can fill these slots. So, sometimes the programs aren't very good, and we're putting an awful lot of trust into, into these programs
1: and the 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 diagnosis hey there's it's a problem just, it's in America just like everything bro it's just like everything yep. um, it's just like police officers are the police bad no you some got good problems. and you got bad you yep. got you got the majority of people are up here but see the reality is if you talk about drifters and non-drifters you got a certain group of people that are they're they're, they're following the standard you got some people doing really really well And you got some people doing really, really poor. We can talk about school teachers. School teachers, same thing. Everything.
0: Your child is so lucky to have a teacher who really cares and not just somebody that got hired.
1: Right. But you know what, though? I think some teachers get a bad rap because I work with a lot of teachers. My son's a teacher. And the average teacher busts their hump to try to do good for what they're getting. The, the, the more the majority of students of teachers, uh, I feel now that I think a lot of the really good teachers are getting burned out because you know they don't. It's a calling, but even though it's a calling, you got to feed your family. Because I'm I'm called to do a lot, but I still got bills to pay. Um, I I am a believer. I believe God will provide but he will provide enough but uh, it, your enough and his enough are totally different stuff sometimes well i i honestly believe that there are a lot that goes on. we we need we need great teachers we need great administrators we need to pay teachers what they're worth we need and not only pay in money but in respect and understanding and to know what they require so like i said i work at schools all the time now and um some of the teachers out of their out of their salary they're paying $5,000 a year out of their salary to provide supplies for kids that won't have if those teachers don't get
0: oh gosh yeah there's some wonderful teachers
1: yeah well
0: it's just like everything else in life a couple bad apples spoil the whole bunch you know what i mean it's it, it, like exactly uh, the exactly a whole barrel well that's bananas isn't it bananas are in both
1: no, yeah yeah
0: you're right yeah. I was
1: like I was like, what kind of apples he eat? Yeah, they're yellow. <laughs> yeah, they're yellow.
0: Hey, so so Leffert though, um what we're talking about is some people call the kind of stuff that we're trying to do symbols in the ocean. I use that phrase in the last show a little bit. But you know what? I I would I would I would request something very special of you for a moment. I'm gonna give you Something that I know you do as well as anybody because that's where you apply yourself. Talk about how one person can make a difference. We got three hours.
1: Wow. You know, it's funny. I got an email from Don Green this morning, and he actually put that in the email. He said, don't tell me that one person can't make a
0: difference. Oh, I read it.
1: Um, I, I said he liked what I said that you're for real. Do your part. Um, the Pledge of Allegiance is one of my favorite sonnets. It starts with I, then with all, and God's in the middle. Now, a lot of people complain and fuss because, and I think it was 1958, they added God, but God's in the middle of that whole thing. It starts with I and ends with all. I, as an individual, can do my part to the best of my ability. And you get in where you fit in. And you've heard the starfish or the sand dollar story where, you know, the guy's walking down the beach and he's throwing in starfish or sand dollars, whichever story you, you're acquainted with. He just throws it in. And, the, and the, the grandson said, Pa, why are you throwing those things in? Well, you know, saving the lives. And he said, Well, you're not going to do anything. What difference does it make if you throw that one starfish back? It means something to that starfish. Mother Teresa said, don't try to save the millions, save the one. Every person that you touch, every person that you affect, every person you help, it may not change the world, but it may change that person's world. So one of us always can do something. That thimble is enough to the the man dying of thirst. You just got to keep doing it. And I'll do some and. You do some, and you do some, and you do some, and you do some. If all of us doing something, then it gets better for everybody. And, but the cool thing about it, Steve, is the little thing that I do today, if I keep doing it and doing it well, it'll get bigger over time. So my thimble will be a bucket one day. My bucket will be a foot tub one day. And one day I'm going to get smart enough to get a big tank, and I'll be able to suck it up and siphon it out. But you got to start where you are. And I know I'm new to using not a lot of analogies, but I really do think that each and every one of us has a purpose. And if we walk into our purpose, we'll be doing what we're supposed to be doing. Don't stop, Leffert. I, I want more. No, I'm, uh, I'm just that. That's it. That is, that is it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a speaker. I know I was meant to speak something, but it's not. But my mission isn't to speak. That's my instrument. My, my, my purpose is to help somebody. And the only way, only way I can help somebody is that I got to get better and I got to say something. I may not save the world, but I may save one person that saves the world. Or I might save the world. I don't know. I don't know, but I know I can do what I can do. And I know all of us are here for a purpose and all of us can do something.
0: Well that's, said. That's,
1: that's all I got.
0: Well. So um, then I'll ask you another question on the same subject. It's not always so easy, though, is it, to
1: sacrifice to do things for others? A lot well, of people- Nothing Nothing's easy. I mean, it's simple. It ain't easy. But, but it is, it doesn't have to be. Look, let me back up. It doesn't have to be easy. It doesn't have to be easy. It's still got to be done, whether it's easy or not. What, what difference does it make if something's easy or hard? I mean, I I I do push-ups not because I like push-ups. I do push-ups because it makes me healthy. Um, it makes me stronger. But it doesn't have to be easy. That's the thing that I think is 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 something. And I'm not gonna call it this generation because I don't think it's this generation. I think we bought into this whole thing that life is supposed to be easy, um, or it's, everything's supposed to be nice and everybody's supposed to be on our side. I don't think that's the case. I think it's hard. Do it hard. Um, I think that it, it, if it was too easy, I think we would give up and quit because I think we as human beings need to be challenged. We like a challenge. You are, you are, you are a, a black belt not because it was easy. You wanted the hard work. You swim in the ocean not because if you wanted just to swim, you can go in a pool or you can sit in a bathtub. You like swimming in the ocean because it puts pressure and you got, everybody can't do it. You got to extend some energy that we like to be challenged. I think kids like to be challenged. They don't like it easy. They like it worthwhile.
0: Adversity builds character when you
1: persevere. Yeah, it could. Yeah. Yeah. True. But I think some people get caught up in, and that's why I talk to people all the time about, you know, Oh, you know, why why are you still working, Leopard? You retired from the military. You could probably not work and live comfortably. I don't think we were made to just stop working. I think the whole six and one that they used to talk about, you know, work six, rest one, rest one day. I don't think there's a, I don't think God had a 401k plan and he said, i'm all, I want you to do that. I want you to do the six and one for sixty five years and then I want you to stop. I don't think that was the 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 edict. I think it was do reasonable service as long as you're here beautiful so Leford, when you go
0: to the high school and teach p m a um what do you what do you, how do you get their attention i, I I'd <laughs> like you to I'd like you to spend the last 10 minutes of today's show bringing forth what it is that that you're given to those high school students that is going to help them approach their life and make a difference in the world themselves. Because I'll tell you what, this is a compliment that I've had that I thank everybody for that said it to me. What I've been teaching with financial literacies in prisons. It's not just for people in prisons. What you're teaching, what you're teaching people in high school about life and DMA, it's not just for them. So, so you know, let's let's share it with the audience today because, because I mean, I I've I've been in the Napoleon Hill for like I said, 45 or more years, give or take, and, and I love it. I love it. And and I've said one of my bylines is the three books that have influenced my life the most is number one, the Bible, number two, the Holy Bible, the Holy Bible. Yeah. That's a good one there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I'll let you know, just in case anybody's wondering the <laughs> old and the new Testament and, and, um, uh, the, the second book is Napoleon Hill's thinking grow rich. And And there's a lot of other books that could be third, but I've been saying outwitting the devil ever since I read that was probably the next most influential
1: book in my life. Yeah. What, a, what a book. So we'll, we'll, what we'll need to do is we need to share our, we'll, on one episode we'll share a list of books and why each one of those books we'll go through like 10, 15 books and we'll say, okay, what is in this book that you need to listen to and why we'll, we'll riff that one day. Cause uh, I'm a, I'm a very big reader also. I think that's the episode to come.
0: I've never, I've never, I'll never forget that one of the very first interviews you and I did was you wanted to talk about outwitting the devil so we put that one together quick and look yep. where we are now yeah and it's good it's good so anyway how do you capture their attention in high school and then why do they want to listen to you and uh, and go from there
1: well i believe well there's two things and i always say that one i use story one i use art cuz again 10 million people died in the black plague bob Died in the black page because they'll remember Bob. The other part is I let people know that I care about them and why I care about them. And um, and that's just like you said, when you get up close to somebody and you put your pinky on them, they need touch, they need connection. Everybody communicates, Steve, but few people really connect. So I like to communicate and I like to connect with people and let them know that I care about them. And I tell them a bit about my story that. You know, where I grew up and how I grew up and the way I saw myself, my negative self-concept, and because of a negative self-concept, um, I I almost lost myself and I would never grow to my full potential. And I don't want them to have to go through that. And there is a process. Napoleon Hill, who was um, appointed by Andrew Carnegie to go interview these 500 successful people, that commission gave him an opportunity to go out and talk to the best and brightest and the people that have been in poverty and want to give a philosophy of success to anybody in this country. It doesn't matter their, their color, their race, their natural origin, their sex. You can, you have a pathway to get you to where you want to be. And, and I want, I tell people that you can have what you want. You get your dream, you get your desire, you're willing to put in the work, and I connect with them because... A lot of people in my area are, are poor. I mean, we're a socioeconomically depressed area. Um, and even the people that have money and have resources, there's bullying going on. This is a stressful time. There was a study just recently done that the, the children of today have the same level of stress as, as mental patients in 1954 with all the stuff that's going on in the world everybody in school now that in school now think about it have been a nation at continuous war we've been at war since the eighties and that's all they know and their parents uh, and their parents are serving
0: active duty at at risk and well, well, not even active duty I mean our country it's not no, no, a but, country. but I mean another sub subsection of that is there's so many children now in my own family who's, who, who's his parents are in deployment and, and that's just a, uh, you know, that's difficult to be all the time like that. It,
1: it is. And I, and it are is. You? And that's not the only thing. I mean, I, the 1% of the population serve in the military. That's 1%. The other 99 is, and I focus on military cause I'm a veteran, but the other part of that dude, I mean, if you, if you watch the news now, we cannot trust our political leaders. Um, to some people, they can't trust the police. They can't trust the priests. They can't trust. There is a distrust and a mistrust for everybody that was in authority because of all the negative stuff that goes on. So the people that are supposed to make our young people the safest, feel the safest, are the people that are making them feel under siege and, and there's danger there. So... They are looking for somebody or something to make them feel safe and secure, to make them feel that somebody cares for them. Some people are searching for gangs. Some people are searching for drugs. Some people are searching for alcohol. Some people are searching for sex. There's so many things people are searching for. Um, There's a spiritual hole in the center of many of us, and we're searching to be able to feel that. So, I try to be the person that says, you can have those things that you want. You just got to figure it out, and I can try to help you get there. Not telling people where to go, but just maybe how to get there. So there's a lot. I mean, one of the most dangerous places for kids to see, I was at the school, at one school, and they were having an active shooter drill at a middle school. We used to have, have tornado drills. They're having active... Yeah. Churches in my community are, are, are arming deacons. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, this is, and I'm going to be funny, and this, this might, it's not funny, but this may be, I'm, I'll say it after we take the recording, because what I'm going to say is probably very controversial, and I won't I don't make this controversial, but there's some issues today that are negatively affecting our, our young people, and we're blind to it, and we keep talking about the way it was when we were there, the way it was when we were there. The way There's no time when you and I went to school that we worried about somebody coming in there killing us in our school. Correct.
0: When I when I was in elementary school, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis, and uh, Khrushchev and Kennedy were going to push the button. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And, and what we the Russians we, are coming. I remember all that stuff.
0: We got under our desks for a drill in case we ever got. But, but now, it, 9-11 changed America. From that moment on, there's not a
1: child in America that feels secure. And that's right. what we're talking about. And, and so, unfortunately, unfortunately, there's less chance of a terrorist getting us, a, domestic, uh, uh, a terrorist outside the country, than somebody walking into school that's disturbed and shooting it up. It's, not, that's not for, it's terror, but it's not a terrorist. It's somebody that's locally grown. So there's a lot of stuff out there that 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 people are concerned about. And so they need, I think our young people need some encouragement. And there's a lot and of so mental Ill- touch them.
0: And there's a lot of mental illness out there that could be de-escalated and have people turn out to be a whole lot more stable than they're allowed to be because they're not properly handled <clears throat> and diagnosed correctly.
1: Yeah, but some of these people that are going killing folks, they ain't gonna live.
0: No, I they're they're just plain crazy, evil. One or the other, you know?
1: There, there's so, so, Like I said, so there's, there's a lot. There's no silver bullet. There's no, no, there's no particular silver bullet. And, but like I said, the thimble. My so thimble is touching. My goal for this year was 1,000 youth.
0: So close so, me out. Close, close me out when you're in uh, the high school. Uh, when, when you're delivering some of the strongest parts of your message that they are receptive to, What is it that you take them to?
1: I take them to that you are special, that you are here for a purpose, that if you decide what you want and if you dream, because a lot of people are trying to take our young people's dreams. Don't let anybody take your dreams. And I get what people say, but when Dr. King was at the mall in Washington, he didn't say, I got a plan. He didn't say... I have 15 objectives. He said, I have a dream. So I want you to dream. I want you to dream big. I want you to figure out what that dream is. And then once we get your dream, where you want to go, that's your North Star. That is your North Star. So no matter what goes on, you can look up and say, that's what I'm going to do. So dream. Once you get your dream, I want you to, to develop a plan. Because if you, if you know what your dream is, and you know where you are, then you can start putting a plan into action to get to where you want to get. Now, there's probably somebody that looks like you or look like what you want to be, because if you could see it, you can be it. So find that person. And then once you find that person, look around you, because you are the average of the five people that you hang around with the most. Who's on your team? Who are the people that love you, care for you, will you up, that you can lift them up, that are going to be the people that when you're down, they can lift you, and when they're down, you can lift them up. Surround yourself around those people. Develop a plan. Find out what you want and keep your eye on the prize. And then if you do that with a plan and put in work, because I'm going to tell you, a lot of people will tell you that it's not work, that you can just get on your knees and pray and God's going to give it to you. He will, but you got to get up and you got to walk. Get off your knees, get up and walk. And if you do that, you will meet with success that is very uncommon in these common days so do you want to be successful do you really want to be successful i mean for real let's get up and let's get leffert you're getting
0: better in your old age (laughs) uh leffert uh i I want to answer one of the questions you just had who is that person will lift you up and be there for you and inspire you and keep you going Leffert, why you are Snow White, you know what I mean? It's like, what, what a blessing to be involved with people in my mastermind groups, my close circle of friends that have common positive thoughts that know the Lord and, and we can be there for one another. So Leffert, uh, you're doing absolutely beautiful, beautiful things. And uh, uh, I was going to ask you a question about Jim Stoball, because when you were given the, the final close there, you said something, and and uh, a lot of Jim Stovall's coming out here too. Uh, one of the greatest, one of the greatest things that I share with people that I've picked up that he really helped me hone: eliminate distractions. I think I think he's probably the most powerful person I've ever had the joy, the pleasure to get to know. But that's one of his main things that it, it sank in on me. And that's one thing I want to tell people. A lot of stuff that we need to do, we don't really understand what we need to do because we're so used to
1: our own habits sometimes. I, I think we know what we need to do, Steve. I just don't think we want to do them because it looks like work.
0: No, no, that's, that's exactly correct. I'm not disputing that. But what I'm trying to say is it took me years. I'm a slow learner. That's part of my theme in life. It took me years. I did a show a couple of weeks ago about, you know, becoming a writer. I'm, I'm not a writer like real writers, but, but I communicate through the written word sometimes. right? And, and I, I don't write for money. I, I'd, be, I'd be like a poverty case. I, I write so I can communicate to help people. That's my purpose for whatever I write. And so, but, but I, I talked about Jim Stovall. I wasn't getting what was there in front of me is what I'm trying to say. When you say, oh, we know, but we don't want to put in the work. No, I didn't really understand what it was that I wasn't doing right.
1: And and well, I get that, you knowing and understanding are two different things. I got
0: you. yeah, yeah. So, but Jim Stovall, my interaction with him and, and the little tidbits that he throw at me in the books that I'd read, I finally heard it and paid attention to it, and I started making changes. And I got to tell you, this is like part of the message to the kids that, 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 that I know you give it in there and I, I give it. Once you catch on to something that you really understand and believe and apply, it just starts to take off. And, and, and one of the main things there is, is eliminating distractions. If it doesn't have value and it's a waste of time, don't do it. And, and so I, I convert that to money teaching a lot too. Like why, why? You'll never reach your goals and save for that new bicycle. Whatever it is you want, you'll never get it if you just keep wasting everything you're doing because
1: you just don't even keep track of what you're doing. Right. Because and that's that goes with that whole what's your definition of purpose. Once you decide what you want, then the things you do moves you closer to it, not further away. And you need to be able to ask yourself that question. Is doing this If if me doing this for two hours or playing video games for two hours is gonna get me closer to my high school degree, if this is gonna pull me away from that, I can't do it. You know, there's now you gotta have some fun. And I do the whole 888 thing, you know, eight hours of work, eight hours of uh, rest, and the other eight hours that you have, how you budget your time and money. I do all that, but the bottom line is, once you know what you want, and you really, really want it, and you emotionalize that thing that you want, then you can make a decision, an informed decision, what you're gonna do, and that's what the plan is about. So, yeah, I, I go, I go into a lot. I just gave you a little bit, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited because this is what I believe. I meant I was meant to be where I am, but I believe if I would have learned this stuff, I mean, really learned it earlier. I could be, I could do more for more people than I'm doing now, but I'm slow learner also. But when I get it, bro, I got it. Leverett, let's, let's leave it with
0: that. Congratulations for what you're doing, reaching those kids. That is, that is, uh, if you never did anything else in your life, Levert, that's worthwhile. And, and, you know, congratulations for doing that, but God bless you. Thanks for being with me today. And, uh, and we'll catch up and, have some more of these conversations soon. Thanks,
1: Lefter. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate you, Steve. You too.
0: Thanks for listening to Right Thinking with Steve Copeland. I look forward to being with you again next week. And remember, don't quit. Plan ahead. It will get better. God bless you and have a great week.